Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and we've got some actual news to sink our teeth into, some good football news to lead the discussion this week. Let me go ahead and bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? Uh, doing well, having some laughs before the show. How about you? Hey, speaking of drop machine, how yes. what percentage of stuff would you say made it from? I get this question a lot. <laughs> this is really the only question people ask me about Matt. Like, hey, how come Matt doesn't play drops? Like, wh- how much stuff did you guys lose moving from one studio to the other? So, what percentage of stuff would you say made it over from the old studio to where we are now? Well, whenever I got canned in 2012, I had like some spies inside just constantly sending me stuff for like years. So, I have it divided. It's all in my Gmail, those ones of context. But then okay. there's that wide, vast amount that like we would remember something. And I knew that all we had to know was what week, what game week was it in. And we could go back to the chronology to where you had this library of never-ending sound of Matt Brown. Like, you're talking thousands upon thousands of hours that I could go find him saying something goofy. So anytime that you could start and create a whole new world of drops. So of that stuff, like, I'd say 99%, but I got to keep that top 1%. It just sucks that you can't go back and, like, we remember Muschamp and then just go play with Muschamp sound from 10 years ago is always fun. Because that always leads into the next question I always get about Matt is, when is Matt going to do the episode (laughs) where his responses to I'd say are nothing but Mac Brown drops. That was what what oh. happened right at that exact same time. Yeah, that that, that ended think, in that yeah. last building because that's when we had yeah. like that was what I was building it. up that over I don't there. Know if we're Who, ready to do no, it. there's no way. Like I could go over there and try to you know go host Ken's show with them for a day or two and then pull some stuff out. But that's about we the only way I can try do it. To do a little CIA mission. Yes, we'll cover <laughs> it up. Yeah, we, we could do that. Go undercover and kind of get this done. I still got some connections. I think we could make this happen because there's we could just tell people to just. How click. long do you need? Is the question. Like, we're planning this crime on air, by yeah, the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Criminal mastermind. Oh no, it would be it, it would be one of the scratch your back quid pro quo, doctor. I do something for free for y'all, then y'all yeah. do something so for I, free. I think for we could us. have somebody do it for us, and we wouldn't have to actually commit the crime. Yes, you know what I mean? we just tell them to go run, hit every single Mac thing, and press play. Okay, and then we just have never right, ending. We'll talk after the show. Yes, that'd be pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, see a man who knows about covert ops and a lot of stuff that's how much of a jack of all trades he is because uh, he's our renaissance man here on the show and on the austin radio network and the horn 1049 1019 am 1260 streaming on the horn app and hornfm.com where you get him each and every weekday on the broadcast from one to three uh he's a lifetime longhorn 2002 youth all-america 2002 semi-finalist for the jim thorpe award fourth round draft choice of the new york giants in 2003 spent his nfl career with the giants Lions, bears bucks broncos and a year with the hamilton tiger cats in the cfl when he was done with football got himself back to austin texas into 40 acres where he earned his degree when he gets his t-ring in which it'll be soon, I hope. Uh, he will wear it proudly. <laughs> Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts. 
Mr. Rod Babers. And, uh, Rod, we've got some actual good uh, – before we get into the football news, uh, I just want to go over uh, something real quick. Just to – it's not anything major. Just uh, just to shout out, it was, you know, the vast majority of our listening audience is men. And, guys, we don't like going to the doctor. We don't like taking care of ourselves. But just another friendly reminder of yeah. it's important to get stuff checked out. Um, <clears throat> for a long time, I've had trouble sleeping. And really since my daughter was born – I've had a lot of trouble sleeping because you're up and down throughout the night, and I've passed it off as well. You know, this is just me being tired. Well, the fatigue has kind of crept on and on, and I've had trouble sleeping, and I've Mm -hmm. gone sleeping through large chunks of the day. I've slept in late and, you know, been late for things like this podcast. So finally it got to the point where I was sleeping so infrequently, and my snoring when I did sleep got so bad, my wife was like, you need to go get that checked out because you're driving me nuts. So uh, shout out to actually one of the horn sponsors, uh, the Sinus and Snoring Center, Dr. Yep. Slaughter up around uh, Mopac and Parma area. I went there last week, did an at-home sleep study, and as it turns out, I have a pretty significant case of sleep apnea. Dude, Rod told you that. Nice. I remember Glad you talking you got it about done, it. bro. For real, man. So yeah. uh, CPAP is on the way. I should be breathing better, sleeping easier. Like I'm, I'm, change your life, I'm anxious to know what it's like to get a good night of sleep. You've probably been going most of your... Adult entire life. life. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yep. you don't know how far back this goes. I mean, you have no idea now, but dude, you probably have, haven't gotten a decent night's sleep in like a decade. decade. Yeah, <laughs> like, 10, I want, 15, I just want to know what it's like. Ken Milam's life, kid. I remember him dude. wearing the big old mask in the I want to know man. what it's like to go to sleep and right. wake up without a headache. Dude, yep. I'm telling you, man. You know. You're going, and no, honestly, man, it could it saving your life. I mean, and it was it was it who, Reggie White. Who, Reggie White, yeah. Reggie White. There are a couple of uh, instances where, and I for, I forget, but there are some other celebrities who have honestly passed away from sleep apnea in the end. Yeah, man. Nah, I ain't nothing to mess around with. So, guys, go get yourself checked. Don't be, well you know, done. don't hesitate. Don't be afraid. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. Well it doesn't make you any less manly to go to the doctor. Actually, sleep apnea, as Rod said, it jacks with your heart and all different kinds oh, of man. stuff. So, yeah, uh, get it taken care of. I'm also man. getting my allergies taken care of, which is good and bad. Uh, they're going to get me set up with some allergy drops. (laughs) But I had to wait a week uh, in between last Wednesday when I went in and this Wednesday when I go in to get my allergy test done. I can't take any antihistamines for that week, and you guys know the weather is constantly changing. So it feels like somebody's driving, like, straight pins into my eyes right now. So it's uh, It's a little rough, but, you know. Hope on the on the other side. We'll I'm be glad good. you got that done, man. That's yeah. good, man. Yeah. It's going that's going to be life changing for you. I, I you're great at your job now. You're unbelievable. I mean, imagine how good you're going to be at your job when you start getting regular. Sleep. Next football season, watch <laughs> out for Jeff Howe. Right? He's coming better, for you. You're gonna be a better. You're gonna be better at your job. You're gonna be a better father. You're gonna be a better husband. All that. I appreciate I'll that. I'll go to sleep. No, man. Yep. It's, a, it's a reason LeBron James gets ten hours of sleep. Mm. So Need does JJ it. Watt, Usain Bolt. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the power of sleep is, is really So if I want to sleep 10 hours, I should just tell them, well, hey, LeBron gets 10 hours. Yeah. J.J. Watt gets 10 hours. There's a sleep crisis in this country. People don't realize it. Remember that, anyway, I mean, the Astros we're the, just Aren't we the picture. only country in the civilized world that doesn't take, like, regular vacations and we don't, we, we don't yeah. nap and We take that. the least amount of vacation days out of any westernized nation, which is also ridiculous. Yeah, it's absurd. It's like that yeah. Astros pitcher that went from going and being, like, he was just failing in the minors to throwing 98. And he now, I think it was James, he came up as a reliever this past year. It was all because of sleep apnea and Lunau and the no team, team noticed it and That's got crazy. him on it. Yeah, it was nuts. What? Yeah. So, yeah. well, we're starting the show with an uplifting message, and we'll like keep it. going with the uplifting message because uh, Tom Herman's looking to uplift that Texas offense. Rod, we left the show last week talking about just how malleable the offense was. And was the Texas offense in 2018 great? No. But it really it, it's really amazing when you go back and start watching film and start looking at some of the, you know, the game books and the stat sheets and breaking stuff down, like how really the offense – based on what Texas needed to do to control games, did exactly what it needed to do um, throughout 14 games. It was really amazing to watch. 
But now, I think, Rod, you've said it for years, and I agree with you having covered this league for so long now, uh, you know, defense does win championships, but points win the Big 12 until proven otherwise. You've got yep. to have an elite-level offense to win at a high rate in this league. And Tom Herman is definitely in the process of doing that. Uh, he hires Larry Fedora as an analyst. Now, there's still a chance David Bainey joins this staff as an analyst. I know that was the big offseason move everybody Things was crossed. looking at making. Uh, mm. David Bainey's actually in a, I don't know, a contract dispute's not the right term, but basically there's uh, some – wrangling, if you will, between yeah. David Beatty and Kansas to get some things straightened out with the buyout and offsets and all that different kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Larry Fedora didn't have any of that. He already got everything straightened out with North Carolina. What's um, his buyout, $12 million? Yeah, but it, it, it offsets, so North Carolina yeah. still has to pay him even if he gets another job, so really yeah. Texas could pay him like twenty grand. Don't you think he get a coaching job? Like, and this is a, technically it's not a coaching job. Yeah. Uh, I was told it was for any job. So basically, oh, really? but, yeah, but Texas could yeah. pay him like twenty grand, and North Carolina still got to pay whatever. <laughs> he also probably got Matt Grease in the wheels on both sides. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but so here's a couple of things to take into consideration. What is Larry Fedora's role as an analyst? Really, when you're hired as an analyst, it boils down to this: you're not a, you can't recruit, you can't coach guys on the field, you have no electronic communication with the staff on game day. Basically, as an analyst, you're hired right on how much do you know about football and how much can you help us. Number one, self-scout in the offseason, which will be mm-hmm. a big part of Larry Fedora's job. And two, during the season, help put together a game plan. Yep. Now, I think we all agree that with Tom Herman taking over the bulk of the play-calling duties, I don't think we worry about that aspect of it anymore. Because I think Tom Herman at this point trusts Todd Orlando. He trusts the coaches around him to do their jobs. He's comfortable now at this, as comfortable as he can be calling plays from the sideline. He would, uh, granted, and I've talked to people that know Tom I, Herman. I, I think he'd rather the other way that he could give it to somebody. Well, but for right now. But for right now, yeah, yeah, no. And, and trust yeah. me, I talked to people that know Tom Herman. They're like, dude, when he talks about being up in the booth, like, that's not a myth. Like, that's not just coach speed. Like, he yeah. would really, if he's calling plays, he would much rather be in the press mm-hmm. box doing it than being on the yeah. sidelines. He's just not, not totally in his comfort zone with it. So I think he's kind of like, remember Gundy? Gundy used to do that. Gundy called plays, then started hiring OC. Then I think he called plays again, then hired another back. OC. And it's yeah, almost I mean, a by necessity. Know, like, and I think yes, it's ex- it's exactly right. It's so whatever the situation presents, I have to I'll fill in as needed. Because he can't go be a head coach in the booth up there, so right. that just eliminates it. Exactly. Unless like didn't John McAvick do uh, do a game in the booth one time? When Bucky he went, tells stories at Did, did or he really? I believe so. Yeah. He's so awkward. But I think that was like, was that the game where like Tony Brackens like killed him and then he had to go coach from oh, the booth the next oh, game? Yeah, well, then I do remember. I think I've seen that on video. Yeah, that's the case. Oh, and, yeah, I think yeah. Joe Paterno had a broken leg one time and I had to coach from the press box. Hell, he broke his leg, leg twice because Paterno broke his leg like when he was in his late 70s. Like one of his last seasons, he got hit on the sideline. Yeah, I know somebody will correct me on the John McAvick story. But at any rate, uh, Rod, this is the arrangement they've got right now. Uh, with Tom Herman calling plays from the sidelines. And he said, you know, there are times during the game where Drew Maringer will chip in with something that he sees or yeah. Tim Beck will chip in with something that he sees. But to me, you know, the big thing with this staff is putting together a game plan. And Tom Herman talks about it. It's a collaborative effort to kind of get in the staff room and kind of figure out, okay, what what do we want this week? What's that call sheet going to look like? Larry Fedora is going to help with that. And it's not even to me really worth it to look at Larry Fedora's success in terms of record as a head coach or how he recruited or what he did at North Carolina. Really, all you're looking at, in my opinion, is what does this guy know about offensive football? What can he help us do on that side of the ball? Because that's all you're hiring him to do. And, Rod, really, you go back to the time Larry Fedora was the offensive coordinator at Middle Tennessee State. He's been at the forefront of spread innovation. And you go to what he had at North Carolina, and I start looking at the different pieces he had at different times. And 
especially on the perimeter. And you think about a tight end like Eric Ebron, and we talk about what this Texas staff is trying to do with that tight end position and you're recruiting guys. Now, I know Malcolm Epps is a wide receiver, but you think about the matchup issue he could create at some point. You think about Brayden Lebrock. You look at bringing in Jared Wiley, all these tight ends you've got. You know, Larry Fedora's had a guy like Eric Ebron who was a high-level NFL guy who he got to use. And you look at the, the two best wide receivers he had at North Carolina, it's really kind of what Texas has right now. You've got the big you know, 6'4 guy on the outside with Mac Hollins who could go win one-on-one battles down the field and be a physical presence. And then you've got, you know, your electric guy in the slot with with, with uh, Ryan Switzer that you, know, you throw him a bubble screen or get it to him on a jet sweep and let him work. So I think this is Tom Herman looking at Larry Fedora's track record, number one with personnel in the spread, and number two with how he schemes a game plan and calling a game and wanted to get him in here because Texas is going to have to open it up more because of the pieces they've got. When you've got a Jordan Whittington and a Jake Smith and possibly Bruce McCoy with Colin Johnson, John Burt, Devin Duvernay, all these pieces on the outside with the lack of depth at running back, you're going to have to make the most of what you've got. And I can't think of a better guy in the country that you could get that's available than Larry Fedora to help you do that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, and it's crazy. BK was uh, talking earlier uh, with – with uh, Bucky and, and with uh, E on the B&E show, and he said that he knows Larry Fedora's daughter who went to Texas yeah. and that she, you know, she told him that, hey, he picked this over Bama. Hmm. Bama wanted Larry Fedora. So, you know, I mean, that's a whole other conversation about, you know, not only replicating what, you know, Nick Saban's doing with bringing in, you know, old, you know, head coaches who are just trying to reinvent themselves and try to, you know, kind of, you know, get to a, another level or just – try to get another job but also you know the fact that you know tom herman he's all he's big about alignment he always talks about alignment so you want somebody who thinks like him that's why the david Beatty thing you know i i think it's gonna happen you know what i mean I, yeah. I think it he really wants to bring he he wanted to do it last year i don't think it worked out i think he wants to bring in david Beatty because they're like-minded and they're good friends and he likes his football mind um but for larry fedora i think what attracted you know larry fedora to tom herman and, and vice versa both of them are analytical minds. They're analytically driven. Larry Fedora's a big analytical guy. Apparently brags at coaching clinics about having this database that he's been building for over 25 years of coaching. You know what I mean? And it's all about situational football, what to do in different situations. Basically, Matt Butler, it's, it's, you know, it's porn to you. <laughs> all right? It's just all these stats. And, he, and, he, and we all know about Tom Herman and his green binder and all that kind of stuff. And he's really about the numbers and when you should go for it on fourth down and uh, when's the best time to, to execute certain things in situational football. I think that, number one, is what Tom Herman wants access to. I think he wants access to those numbers. We know also he loves tempo. He, and not just – up tempo. Larry Fedora, he's a big Rich Rod fan. Apparently, he's obsessed with Rich Rod too. He wants multi tempo, what he calls multi tempo. That's controlling the tempo, like Tom Herman, right? Tom Herman sometimes will go up tempo, sometimes he slows it down. That's what he likes about Larry Fedora too. That's one of the things they're, you know, like minded about. Got philosophy is very similar. Um, something I think that they'll take from Larry Fedora. Um, also, also Larry Fedora obsessed with 11 personnel, much like Sean McVay. Runs 11 personnel 90% of the time, much like Sean McVay ran, I think, 85% of the time in the NFL. Tom Herman last year in 2017, um, I think or two years ago in 2017, I want to say Texas ran 11 personnel around 90% of the time. And it was that's, a that's, that's that Greg Davis, Rod. You were you know around Greg I mean? Davis. Greg Davis big fan of 11 personnel. Yeah, but they just want to keep it simple. And Larry Fedora, much like you know Sean McVay in this aspect, he likes going into a game with certain concepts, three to five concepts about 
how to attack a defense, right? You can attack them where they're vulnerable. Say they're vulnerable up the middle or they're vulnerable to the deep ball or they're vulnerable uh, in zone coverage, whatever it is. And then, like Sean McVay, you got, you know, four or five different plays you're running in that game, but you're running them from 18 different formations. You know what I mean? Like he's, So it's about simplistic brilliance. So I think that's something Tom Herman and he also have in common. I think he likes that about Larry Fedora. Here's what you take from Larry Fedora. He loves the RPO. Apparently he's a big ma- he's a master of the RPO too. He did that at North Carolina Trubisky. with Mitch Trubisky. That was big too. And also with and this is something to, I I like that you go look at his quarterbacks. Mitch Trubisky showed out. He turned into a top ten prospect. And I don't think anybody knew anything about Mitch Trubisky before that. But Marquise Williams is the quarterback you should go pay attention to. I believe that's when North Carolina was what eleven and one or something. Putting like up that, big that numbers. Season. He he was six two two twenty five. Sam Ellinger is six three two thirty. He's on record for saying at first he used to worry about Marquise when he would run the ball because Marquise would run the ball. He was a power runner mm-hmm. as, at quarterback. He would run in between the tackles. He said, I would worry about him, but then I saw the way he ran, and basically He's he good. was our power running game, and I stopped worrying about him. By the way, Marquise Williams is the backup quarterback for the San Antonio Commanders. Uh, yeah, Commanders. Yeah. Uh, so, and he runs, Commanders. and they bring him in every now and then on Wildcat packages to run pop quarterback power running game. And so that's that's the connection with Sam Ellinger. He's a guy that's got experience with those types of quarterbacks. So there's a lot of things you can take from from Larry Fedora and the fact that he's going to be breaking down film for you and helping you come up with game plans and also helping you, you know, come up with different uh, play designs and different concepts to help Texas uh, offensively. I think it's man, it's it's such a win. It's such a great return on your investment. I can't even describe exactly or quantify exactly how impactful it's going to be, but it's going to be big. It's going to be huge. And that's as I think Trump would say when you get to add those to your non-coaching spots. That's what's so big because right. that's where you had like teams like Alabama that had such more of an advantage compared to the rest of schools because other schools didn't have this millions upon millions of just minds and you get to spend this Big money tank. on the side just yeah. to sit on top and like that's where if you try to get all these NCA regulations and why you can only have nine coaches in a certain amount with communication and travel well where can we take advantage of the system well you can't within there but you can when you can afford all the analysts and especially if in this situation Fedora is saying nah, I'd rather go work for that non-a-hole guy I want to go work for Herman and not Saban and be able to go do that at a school as powerful and be able to get in with you know, if you go and get production from Texas, yeah, that's going to add to your resume that one year while you're still thinking about what you're going to do for the next year of your career. So adding a guy like him is pretty big. Can I can I share my my pseudo connection to Larry Fedora real quick? I like, yes, the I, fan I like story. Telling, I like telling yeah. the story whenever I can get it in. Um, so I, uh, you guys know, I played small town high school football uh, my senior year, which I like bragging about. This we're the first team from my school to make the playoffs in 43 years, broke a 43-year playoff drought. Uh, we only went one round deep because we ended up playing Rogers High School in the first round, and I think they were ranked two or three in the state at the time. Uh, their head coach was Lee Fedora, Larry Fedora's brother, and Lee Fedora brought like this it was a spread offense like we hadn't seen, especially at that level. Yeah. When you're seeing like wing T teams and slot T teams, maybe, maybe you'll see teams that run some pro stuff. 
when we're we're looking at like they're throwing bubbles and like creating vertical seams in the run game, we're like this is like next level stuff. It's like I don't even know what to call it. Like it's <laughs> stuff we haven't seen before. So a number of years, and that really kind of in, in Central Texas really kind of created like everybody started wanting to figure out, okay, what are you guys doing? And a couple of years ago, I had a chance to talk to Lee Fedora about that. I'm like, how did you guys develop that offense? It was basically Larry Fedora's offense when Larry Fedora was the OC at Middle Tennessee State back in I think '99 was his first year there. Yeah. Uh, Lee Fedora took the Rogers staff. They all piled in a van, went from Rogers, Texas to Mur- Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and sat down in that office. And they're like, okay, we're going to learn this offense, and they installed it on the drive home and i'm telling you at the time it was just some of the most like just innovative like football x's and o's crazy stuff i'm like i'm watching stuff like i have i've never seen this stuff like breaking down in a poet's film it's like nuts it's like like i said it's like next level stuff but simple yeah it's simple enough that high school kids in rogers texas could run it and look really good doing it yeah so uh yeah and i i talked to guys that were like on that staff and they were like, yeah, I mean, can you, I was like, that just shows you how smart Larry is. And, and one of the assistant coaches who I know who coached with Lee, Lee Fedor for a long time, he's like, yeah, Larry's forgotten more football than Lee knows. That just tells you how smart of a football guy Larry Fedora is. So Larry Fedora, in a way, brought that spread in to bring that spread influence to Texas high school football and helped bring it to the Big 12 because he was on Ron Zook's staff at Florida when yeah. they got blown out, when Ron Zook got fired yeah. and, and Urban Meyer got hired. Mike Gundy hired Larry Fedora when he took over the Oklahoma State program. And keep in mind, that was Les Miles, Oklahoma State, that Mike Gundy was the OC for. So they were like two backs and two tight ends and want to smash in the mouth and get downhill. Mike Gundy brings in Larry Fedora. They end up running a spread offense. Before Larry Fedora leaves for Ole Miss, they they get Des Bryant and Zach Robinson, and then Oklahoma State eventually goes and and does what they do. So that tells you how cutting edge on – uh, in terms of the spread offense, Larry Fedora has been for a long time. And, Rod, as you said, you, you throw in the RPO stuff and, and being able to do it with different types of quarterbacks. You're taking a Texas offense that was already pretty good, and now this could be the ingredient that helps you take it to the next level where now, okay, is this offense – we've seen it be good enough week in and week out to trade shots with some of the better offenses in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Now are you one of those offenses – that can set the bar for everybody else. Yeah, I mean, just the, like you said, the different concepts he's going to bring in uh, because he seems to be cutting edge and innovative. That's the one thing you can say about Larry Fedora, that he always seems to be on the – whether it be talking about the spread initially or the RPO offense now or uh, even when, you know, the uh, the, hurt, the up-tempo, when he start getting to the no huddle with from Rich Rod, whatever there is out there, if there is something that is giving offenses an advantage – He's he's gonna be on top of it, and he's integrated all those concepts successfully, interwoven them within his offensive philosophy. You want access to that? It's just a think tank philosophy. That's why you like Mike Gundy. You just brought up Mike Gundy, and Mike Gundy. Think about all the offensive coordinators Mike Gundy's brought in. He had yeah. Hogerson in there for a while. I mean, he mm-hmm. always he's really good at picking out you know the, the the next kind of young innovative offensive mind to come help run his offense, and he basically just kind of steals concepts. And then that becomes his offense. You know what I mean? And I think Tom Herman's doing that now. I think Herb Hand and the power spread is part of it. And, you know, I, I describe Larry Fedora's spread as more of a balanced spread. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a balanced spread. It's the best way I can describe it. I, and, you know, I think that is important for Tom Herman because even with the pro spread and then the power spread, running the football is it, it, it's essential. Mm-hmm. Like you can't Absolutely. air raid. David Beatty will probably be the first kind of true air raid. I know Tim Beck's got some air raid roots, but 
you know, um, you know, if David Beatty comes in, he would be the first kind of true air raid. Beatty's guy. more, Beatty's more of a true like when you think a spread offense. And Tom and, and I've, I talked to David Beatty about this one time. He even said, you know, when Tom Herman got to Rice, you know, basically Tom Herman was kind of running the offense he ran at Texas State was kind of a I don't I don't want to disparage the saying it was a watered down version, but it was almost a mirror of what Greg Davis was doing yeah. at Texas at the time when they were running zone, zone read. Yeah. Is Vince and Barrick Neely was yeah, Barrick Neely, Neely was basically was the one Tom Herman Vince. Vince Young. Yeah. And so when Tom Herman gets to Rice, David Beatty, who was a spread guy, helps Tom Herman say, Hey, let's take this and let's add more spread stuff to it to help fit the personnel Rice yeah. where you had Chase Clement, Jarrett Dillard, and those guys set all kinds of NCAA records. So, yeah, not to get you off track, Rob, but, yeah, to your point, yes, David Beatty did help Tom Herman initially in his young career as an offensive coordinator really infuse more true spread elements into what he was and doing. And get into, like, the vertical passing game yeah. into it. So I, And I think that's why he he loves David Beatty so much. I, so I think that even though Tom Herman hasn't really shown an in an interest in the air raid, even though it's all around him, he hadn't really shown an interest to go pick up one of those guys or even have a young guy on his staff who has ties to it, I do believe David Beatty can bring in, like you said, those concepts. He's done it before, and and he, Tom Herman will trust him, and Tom Herman will bring in, even though you know, we know that Tom Herman wants to be a, a power running game in its – you know, it, it, at its at its root, on its rudimentary form, you're looking at the offense and what the tent poles are, the principles of it. He wants to run the damn ball, right? And Period. you're talking about Herman, like sort of being like the sponge and bringing in and one yeah. style and plucking from another, and the same thing with Gundy. It just made me think of his mullet actually being the sponge to get those <laughs> ideas into the because <laughs> it's like that Simpsons episode where Snake's head and his hair takes over. It's like mullet man Gundy taking over. Yeah, yeah you, to your point, Rod, you can't forget. The fact that Texas is fourteen and zero when they've run the ball at least forty times, and I know again I say it all the time. People sound, don't. It sounds like a trivial statistic, but like you know, you ran it thirty nine times against West Virginia, okay, and you lost. So what would one more carry have been? Well, Sam Ellinger doesn't get called down, you know, one yard short of a first down on fourth down. You've got a first and goal. You run it three more times, you get a touchdown right there. Instead of turning it over, you probably win that game. And who yeah. cares? Your record's I mean, thirty nine and one or whatever. You're still an indicator of success if you have. Yeah. It isn't like you have to be undefeated for it to work. It shows that you get to dictate the tempo of the game if you want. That's exactly first, right, Matt. Because yeah. you have the luxury that you can run the ball and do that and play it out. You don't necessarily have to do that every game, but when you are afforded the luxury to run the ball that much, means you're leading most likely. You're dominating physically. And you're choosing to continue to do it. Yeah. Because if you control the clock as much as Tom Herman wants, you're not running 80, 85 plays a game. You're probably in the, what, Rob, probably high 60s, low 70s. 55 to, yeah, 55 to 70 plays, anywhere from there. Yeah. That's probably where. So let's say 60, 67, 68 plays. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we've and, been really higher than that, up, up 75 yeah. to almost 80 the last couple of years. And, and, it's, and it's interesting, you know, with, we'll, we'll see if Larry Fedora, you know, influences him to, you know, speed it up more. Yeah. Instead of just controlling the tempo, or have the luxury to. Yeah, I think I think that he'll. I think the influence will be more, more like I said, multi-tempo. It's just like, hey, when we want to put pressure on the defense, we won't come out this series. Watch and the speed Patriots, the hell up. man. Patriots yeah, then, do it. Hey, we won't come out. You know, this series, and hell, we're gonna have our age back in the backfield, and we're gonna slow it up, I'm, and we're gonna adjust to when you adjust. That kind of thing. I'm gonna take. A, I'm gonna yeah. look at this though, Rod, and I'm gonna say this is Tom Herman looking at the personnel he's got, definitely for this season, because you've really only got Larry Fedora probably for one year. Yeah, you got well. Well, you well. We don't know how the we don't know how the dominoes will fall. Like you get guys who 
You know, that's what that's why Saban does right. it. So Saban's so smart about it, right? Or maybe because, you have a staff opening and then you can yeah, hire him. You know what I mean? But I'm, let's br- assume. I'm bringing in all these guys and I'm like, you know what? Hey, man, you get a promotion? Oh, yeah, congratulations. Go ahead on. I've been waiting. Hey, Larry, Larry, man, I got a spot for you. Come on up. Let's brother. assume. You know, let's my ass- co OC now. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. assume that this is a one year deal, right? That's, that's, yeah, let's ass- let's ass- be under yeah. that assumption. Yeah. And again, I think you just look at the personnel you've got, and clearly we've talked about running back being the most talent deficient position. And that's not a knock on Keontae Ingram, who, by the way, I heard over the weekend, even already in offseason, Keontae Ingram is up to like 219 pounds. Good for him. He's going to need it. Yeah. He's going to need it. Yeah, pack pack on that weight, young well, he's man. He's gonna be taking. He's gonna he's gonna be taking a beating, you know, because yeah. I mean? he's the only guy right now. So running back is the most talent deficient position because you just don't have a lot of depth, and the depth you do have, it's either Danny Young, who like we talked about was basically relegated to being like a goal line short yardage fullback yeah. last year, and Kirk Johnson, who has I think eight carries in his career. We just have no idea what to expect from Kirk Johnson. I don't think you can place expectations on him. And then you know the Darian Brown situation is what it is, and you know Jordan Whittington's going to get a crack at running back, but. Uh, you take Jordan Whittington and you look at, you know, you've got Jake Smith and you're going to have these weapons that you really haven't had before at Texas and that even you've got to really go like Tom Herman very rarely in his coaching career as he had guys. I mean, think about it. He's had guys like Jalen Marshall at Ohio State. Duke DeMar- Catalan DeMarcus was kind of one of those guys. Uh, James Casey is the guy that in his in his tenure as an offensive coordinator and a play caller, He's been, I would say, the most successful at utilizing a guy with a multiple skill and a unique skill set like that. I mean, I think he had at least 40 receptions and at least like 30 rushes two years ago. Will Jordan Humphrey was like James Casey Light. Basically, and he, I know that that does, that sounds no, no, like I'm no, knocking Will Jordan Humphrey, yeah. but, but now go back got, and go back and look at like, what James Casey did at Rice. But like you said, now you got like three of those guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got Jordan Whittington, you got Jake Smith, you know what Brew I mean? McCoy. Got, like, yeah, exactly. You got a lot of those guys, and you don't want to waste them. No. Because we all agree Lil John Humphrey was awesome, but I'm not even sure he was maximized. Right. You know, because maybe they just didn't know how or maybe out of necessity they just couldn't do it because they were so young in the – um, like like the implementation of that that offense, like it was just second year. And you still got, I mean, Josh Moore and Devin Duvernay. You still got all kinds of weapons on this offense. So yeah. I think this is Tom Herman looking at the personnel and saying, "Yes, I want to run the football, but I've got to figure out all these weapons on the perimeter. How can I get the most out of them?" I agree with that. I'm with you on that 100. percent Yeah. So you need guys. You need you need basically other guys who have uh, kind of innovative ways or more innovative concepts to maximize all these unique talents you have all over the field. It's those three, those two or three um, uh, targets are two or three touches that Jake Smith is going to get in the game or Brew McCoy is going to get, or Jordan Whittington, let's say he gets his five touches in the game. You're going to want to make sure they count. Yeah. You don't want to just be wasted touches. You know what I mean? You, you want to weaponize these guys. And I think that's what Larry Fedora, that's what you're saying, He's, he brought Larry Fedora in, like, man, how do I weaponize all these yep. guys within still the framework of this offense? Right. Yeah. That's, that's key. Um, Rod, I want you to put your X's and O's hat on real quick. Sam Ellinger, and I don't think this offense would go to a true RPO offense like Larry Fedora oh. was because you're still going to have, yeah. you know, you're still going to have the, the, the the shell the framework if you will the pro spread it's always going to be that way but Sam Ellinger and, and and before I get on to Sam Ellinger you know Tom Herman I think we've seen him be with tempo kind of like Gus Malzahn is like Gus Malzahn doesn't run tempo all the time but when they want to mash the gas and go fast they they have the ability to do that we'll just see if Larry Fedora influences Tom Herman to maybe yeah. do that a little bit more um, because I here's let's they, say let's say the Sam Ellinger point 
tempo more than anything helps your offensive line, right? I think we can all agree with that. Like it, a lot it of really things. simplifies a lot of things with your offensive That's line. A lot of things. But I think as many new faces and new pieces as Texas is going to plug in on that offensive line, I think any way you can help those guys do it. And, look, we saw with the Texas offensive line in 2016 with the Veeran shoot how good that offensive line was with Tim. It wasn't – like with the exception of Connor Williams, like you didn't have great personnel on that offensive line. I mean, you had a veteran with Tim Perkins, but you had Jake McMillan who was kind of you know, spare parts they got the most out of, and you know Zach Shackelford was a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, but we saw how tempo helped that offensive line. I think more than any other group on the field, tempo helps your offensive line. So I think that's part of it too. Tom Herman saying, "Look, yeah, we could maybe get you know a couple of these grad transfers to help us fill holes, but I think you've got to look at worst case scenario. Okay, what if you do have to go into a season with I don't know Junior Angelau and Derek Kerstetter as your starting guards, or Junior Angelau and Denzel Okafor with Kerstetter tackle, or whatever." What can we do to help these guys? I think tempo, where everything's moving a little bit quicker and guys are having to think less, react more, maybe that's an element that Larry Fedora can bring to the table, help Tom Herman with how to better utilize tempo to help your offensive line. Yeah, we know that um, when Tom Herman doesn't – well, he basically says about his offense that we will adapt to any situation. We'll be what we have to be, right? And Whatever they were that we need year. to be, we yeah. got to be a team that shoots it out, uh, you know, and get into, you know, this – uh, kind of shootout with Texas Tech or something like we can do that. Like on the road. Yeah, if we got to control the game and slow the game down, we can do that. So we know that Tom Herman. I think he wants whatever the situation calls for. That's what he wants to be in terms of being able to to maximize the offensive, you know, potential. I think you know, and it's, we've, we said this about spread offenses, right? Air raid offenses when they go up tempo all the time. And even Chip Kelly was criticized for this in the NFL. Does it hurt you in other phases of the game? Right, like your when defense. you're when you're that extreme going up tempo, and we know Tom Herman's all about all three phases. You know, does it hurt your defense to go up tempo? And oh yeah, it's great when you're scoring touchdowns, no problem. But when you get a, a three, two, three and outs in a row after ten play drives, and now your defense has played twenty six of thirty plays. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, is that do you have enough depth on the defensive side of the ball to be able to deal with being you know being exposed like that defensively? So I think Tom Herman will remain loyal to multi-tempo. Like, hey, no, no, no. Sometimes I want to put pressure on the defense. Sometimes I do. I want to do it. Depending on the situation, sometimes I want to do it more often than not. But there are still other times where I want to slow it down. Right. I want to ram it. Literally, I, I remember we talked about Texas being having the best, being the best on a six-minute drive team in the Big 12 at one point. Like, they can put together a six-minute drive as well as anybody. How'd they beat Georgia? Long drives, man. Mm-hmm. They just they just put together. And in the Big 12, I think Tom Herman learned, okay, the best situation for me in the Big 12 is to keep those potent offenses off the field. Let me just keep the ball for a long period of time. Hell, the Patriots did it against Kansas City. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The Patriots, they were doing it in the playoffs. That's why they you know, they were playing with a fullback on the field. It's like, whoa, man, let's just play. Let's just keep the ball. You know what I mean? Patrick Mahomes can only do so much damage if I have double the amount of plays that they do. Yeah. And I think some, Tom Herman has some of that in him where he goes, now nah, if I'm going up against a potent offense, if I'm going up against, you know, uh, that Georgia offense, there's no way I'm giving those two running backs the ball. Um, you know what I mean? Like in certain situations, like I'm going to keep the ball for a long period of time. And I think Texas got really good at that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Those four or five, 11, 11 play, four or five minute, 11 play drives. 
he wants to keep some of that. So that ain't going nowhere. So I think you'll get you. They'll just be multiple, like in terms of the, how they approach tempo. Sometimes you're going to see them fast. Sometimes they're going to slow it down. Sometimes even within the drive, they're going to slow it down. And then they're going to speed it up because they like the play call. And they're like, oh, they're weak right there. Let's run it back. Let's run it back. Let's run it back. Just like the Patriots so did. And your point on that, Rod, real quick, Matt, on, on Texas scoring drives last year, you had 25 scoring drives that lasted at least four minutes and went at least nine plays in length. You know what I mean? Like they, they got good at that. That was one of the things they were, they were actually decent at. It's just kind of controlling the game. You know what I mean? And can like at one point, and sometimes it was to put the game away. A lot and of the understanding time, like, the game yeah. script and knowing that this is going to benefit you. And it's exactly like when I remember we were all looking at the numbers after Charlie Strong's first year and sort of tried to figure out what the hell Texas has averaging more yards per play than all these great Big Twelve offenses at that time. Yet Texas had a losing record, and the one glaring thing was Texas was getting the fewest plays per game. And like last year, you look at Michigan; they're like 128 in place per game, just 62 like teams that can be a good team on a per play basis, but you aren't getting the results because you can't dictate that tempo. And you look at Texas this past year, just to the point that we were just talking about and the luxury to run the ball and dictate that tempo and which means in turn, you're keeping the opponents off the field more. Texas everybody remembers was very good at home. Was 5-1 and one at home last year. Last year 78.2 plays per game at home. Opponents were only getting 69.6 seven plays so you were getting eight more plays than your opponents now on the road where texas was just above 500 you have texas 75.1 plays the opponents were getting 74.4 yeah, plays not much of the margin and it's just the idea that well what happens if you're trying to keep the ball away from the opponents well that means that you're going to have to possess the ball which First coincides downs. with running yeah. the ball and being able to have the quantity of running and it also just allows you now you can still pack it in you don't have to be all time of possession because it isn't about time of possession necessarily we can pack our 10 plays into those four minutes and be potent inside of them but if we want to like you said at the end of the game draw it out you're just afforded that luxury via the clock and can do that at any point Mm -hmm. so it just dictates that okay well when we want to keep that team off and we feel like we can continue to do this we'll just impose our will but if you know that no this isn't going to work we still need to get those explosives to be able to win well it feeds off of the run game and it gives you that freedom to be able to play call how you like, and then it can allow your defense to come out and play aggressive in the plays that they actually get on the field because it's all about getting the ball back for your offense to be able to dictate those terms. And having a plus nine per play ratio is insanely yeah. huge. So when you talk about controlling the game, controlling the clock, controlling the tempo, uh, having the best short yardage goal line option in college football, as we said, Sam Ellinger probably has helped you do that. So, Rod, get back to the Sam Ellinger question. Put your X's and O's hat on. More RPOs for Sam Ellinger. What does that do to your offense? Uh, Oh, it takes it to another level. I mean, in terms of how – I think the offense is going to end up being next year, just just throwing it out there, my projection. It's going to be a pick-your-poison offense. Pretty simple. Colin Johnson, John Burt, Devin DuVernay on the outside to start with. That takes the top off of any defense. As if you got – if you're – Coaching your safeties in practice that week, you're like, man, you got to be over the top of these dudes because they got to, they got speed, world class speed to get behind you one way. And if Colin Johnson gets position on anybody, it's then done. that's a done deal. So that's the, and then it's, then so this is the first you know uh, question or at first uh, quandary I should say the conundrum for the defense that they got to figure out. And then the second part is. You just talked about Sam Ellinger, the power running game, having such a unique quarterback like that that if we get to second and three or third and two, 
oh, it's it's all day, every day. You know it's coming, but you can't stop a power running game like that when you have plus one in the backfield with Sam Ellinger, 6'3", 230. Um, and that's kind of the other option that they got to figure out. Like, man, how do we stop that power running game? Because if not, if they don't devote bodies to even stop the running game, you're hoping that Keontae Ingram or whoever's in the backfield with Sam Ellinger, that alone will force teams to go, well, we got to put seven in the box right there just to stop those guys. That'll give you matchups on the outside. Let's just say some team's able to stop both. They got a really good defensive game plan. That's when you get into your matchups. That's when the RPOs start playing off because you got RPOs are designed to attack certain positions. You got a weak outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. You got a safety that likes to bite. Mm-hmm. All right, let's break Make down. Make him commit. Right, yeah, exactly. Two or one. You know what I mean, you, you can be with? really specific about where you're going with your RPOs based on the route concepts, you're based on what you want to be the backside. Exactly. All right, whatever corner you think is going to bite on it, it, it all depends on the matchup. And Larry Fedora can help you figure that out in mm-hmm. attacking the defense. But then you got the, the Colin Johnson question after that, right? Then you go, there are certain matchups like, okay, you covering Colin Johnson one-on-one? Okay, well, that's all day, every day. We're going to check to that. And then that's when you get into your Jake Smiths and your Jordan Whittingtons and your Cade Brewers and your Reese Latows because those are all matchup guys. Mm-hmm. All right, you got a linebacker on Reese Latow or Cade Brewer? Yes, that's all day, every day. All right, oh, Jordan Whittington motioned out. Y'all put a linebacker on him? Yes. All right, that's great. You know what I mean? That's yeah. when you can get – so depending on how you built the game plan, it's like, okay, what are you going to stop? Because mm-hmm. whatever you decide to stop, that's what I, – I'll, I'll, I'll allow you to determine how you want me to beat you. Yeah, well, can't slot you know this I mean? one. Okay, well, this one. Okay, well, yeah. what do you like that's, about this yeah. one up the middle? That's why the Jake Smiths, that's why the Kate Brewers, the Reese Latiles, the Jordan Williamson, that's why those guys – Bruce McCourt, that's why they're yeah. important. Just like Colin Johnson, it's a and Lil Jordan Humphrey, they're matchup nightmares. You got all those guys across the field, then they truly have to pick their poison. They they don't have enough guys to match up and defend. That's why I think the offensive is gonna break down. That's why Larry Fedora is big. That's yeah. why adding because, all these analysts that that's all that they yeah, work it's on. All all they're week. Work on. Like, okay, I need you to give me the five plays that if we are stopped on third down and they've been they've been taking away our deep ball and they're also taking away the power running game successfully. Who can we attack and on what down and with what concept? No. Boom. That's what Larry Fredo's going to do. He's going to give him 10 of those. And like, I guarantee they'll probably be RPO related. Like yeah. we talked about, really, it's, it's really you're bringing in Larry Fedora to, to help you win a championship. And what I mean by that is what we talked about in the Big 12 championship was the most disappointing aspect of that game. Good point. Texas never really had a counterpunch. I agree with that offensively. You know, they came in with a game plan and when Oklahoma adjusted and they realized, oh, Oklahoma can stop the run game this time. Uh, what are we going to do? They didn't really have anything. They didn't really have anything, yeah. I mean, I think they, they kind of had, you know, a little counter. Of, yeah, they didn't do much. Yeah, no. just that the entire – when you're build, when you able to zone. run, like we were talking about that, you can really dictate different terms. It doesn't compartmentalize you. If you aren't going to run, then you aren't going to be able yeah. to dictate the tempo. You aren't going to be able to have different ways that play action works or if you didn't weren't a RPO-type team that wasn't being manipulated there. And then in that situation, well, if you're deduced to just being a team that needs to drop back and throw the ball, it's a lot easier to defend or it's all in on Sam. Well, we'll have time to talk about Larry Fedora and uh, Matt. Was there anything else you wanted? To no. Well, Fedora, up? there is one thing because you okay, should ask it. him to clarify if his statements uh, regarding the game of football because he loves yeah, football he more than football. anybody. Yeah. And it, it, he this up, was he got himself in trouble because he he basically said he didn't believe in like the concussion crisis. I'm and I think that was him being the analytical CT. mind. That, I, I think he said there's more research that needs to be done or something. Well, like that. Well, it was just his analytical mind of yeah. being. Well, there isn't a direct 
link. Yes. Like you can't directly yeah. link anything to evolution, but science shows you that yeah. it slowly like, evolves that way. Yeah. But the greatest one was from last July whenever it was uh, just, I think it was ACC Media Days, and some co- some interviewer asked him, uh, if, you know, why football means so much to him, and he got into this whole thing talking about you know, the American military, and he once spoke to an <laughs> Army war general and asked him what is the big part of the game that attractive to you, and he's like, actually, no, the American military, football is what makes the American military the best in the world. The general's answer per fedora was simple. The United States is the only football playing nation in the world. And it's like, that's why America has the best military. And it's just like straight over the head. Like, man, America was invented for 125 years before the turn of the 20th century. So, yeah, that's one of the reasons. The simple answer. U.S., it's the only football playing nation in the world. That's why our army's the best. I thought reasons. that was great. Just, <laughs> just so we're, just so we're all on the same page. This is what Larry Fedora um, wow. said about CTE and the concussion crisis. I believe Uh-oh. this was at ACC Media Days last year. The same yeah. setting of uh, the world general. I'm oh, not God. sure that anything is proven that football itself causes it CTE. Yeah, my head, head on collisions. In my understanding is repeated blows to the head cause it. So I'm assuming that every sport, football included, could be a problem with that. If you if you've got any kind of contact, that doesn't diminish the fact that the game is safer than it's ever been because we continue to tweak the game and try to make it safer for our players. It's his semantics battle. Um, It isn't football. It's the head on collisions. (laughs) (laughs) And and it was like, yes, which happened in football. football. (laughs) Yeah, chicken or the egg, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we do know this. Larry Fedora knows how to coach some damn offense. Uh, he does. Yeah, people get on about his co- head coaching record, and I was like, well, he ain't coming. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, you ain't asking him to, yeah, to, to coach. To, you ain't asking him to build a program. Yeah, you're asking him to help you, help you beat Oklahoma. As you point out, not coaching, not uh, recruiting, not doing anything. He's basically just watching. He's in, the, he's in a room, probably about the size of the room we are in right now, and he's watching film. With a clicker and a notepad. And he's going to be doing it for 12 hours a day. Well, we used to envision Muschamp doing it. Yeah, and he'll go talk to the coaches. Yeah, and that's, you know what? And honestly, that think tank atmosphere, and I would love to get him in, David Beatty, and both of those guys, because I'm all about, I'm like, I believe like Nick Saban. I want future and former head coaches on my staff. Mm -hmm. I want as many of them as I can get. Future and formers. Guys who want to be head coaches, they're going to be the Kirby Smarts of the world and the. The Mel Tuckers of the world and all the Lane Kiffins of the world. I want all of them. Butch Jones. Butch Jones. Yeah, he had done capers on his staff at one point. I mean, <laughs> that, that's the one where he's going to seek out anybody who used to be a head coach because I think he understands even in failure, you learn so much. Hell, you could argue you learn way more in failure than you do in success. Yeah, because you're trying to figure out what and went all wrong. All those guys come there and they go, Yeah, this is where I messed up. And he's like, Oh, really? Okay. You know who I bet he learned that from? Bill Belichick. Because how much now do we, how do we, when Bill Belichick got to New England, how much of that was taking what he did in Cleveland and saying, okay, this is what worked, but this is what didn't, and this is what I need to fix, and this is what we need to make different than what we did in Cleveland. Well, and also yep. just Cleveland. Yeah. And then you end up having Fedora lock him up in a room. Hopefully he's a football Marshall Madoff. Well done. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Oh, anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in a podcast game. For everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9-101 on AM1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. You get Rod on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. And you can hear this show. And thanks to Matt, you get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. 
For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.